can we come together and pray for this service? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we declare your name here in this place. Heavenly Father, we declare your authority here in this place. We declare the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords here in this space, O oh God. Here in our hearts, Lord, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is not the building, but it is the body of Christ that have come together to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray, God, you bring encouragement and strength to each and every single one of the members who are here in this place. I pray, God, we will trust in you, rely on you, that we don't rely on our own strength or in our own wits. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Touch us and transform us. Renew us. Give us a steadfast spirit within us to be steadfast in this journey, in this journey called life. Lord, I pray for protection right now in our mind and our hearts. That we place all of our worries and lay them down at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the poor widow who came and lay down and gave the two small coins. I pray, God, we will give our alabaster jar, our all to you, God. Speak to us. Speak to us, God. We need you. Father, we love you. your place, your name here in this place. Have your way within us. Strengthen us, oh God. Teach us your ways to walk in the truth of the gospel. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Heavenly Father, we're here today as men and women of God, not as people of this world who are part of this world, who belong to this world, but who are set apart from this world, who live for solely for one thing, and that's for your kingdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will speak to us right now. You bring encouragement, not just through the praises of the songs and the worship that we bring and offer to you, God, but out of the obedience of listening to your word and feeding on your word here this very morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us, for we are thirsty and we are hungry and we need your presence here in this place. Holy Spirit, as you transition now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here today, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You alone, you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Pray all these things in your precious Son, just question me pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord on a Sunday to worship together and to hear the Word of God together. As I'm here up here preaching, this message is not just for you, but it's a word that will also minister to myself as well, not just in the preparation, but in the delivery, in the delivering of the message here today. So if you can please keep a heart, an attitude of worship continually throughout and have faith and humility, and let's receive the word in faith. Amen? Here today. Believe that God is leading us and preparing us to really rely on him, especially in this season that we are in together, not just as an individual, but as a church and as a community. So I just want to encourage you to be steadfast in the season of Advent that we're in, and let's be faithful, and let's finish strong. Amen? Let's finish strong. Now we are in our third event. The title of today's message is called Invite the Lord. Invite the Lord. With that, let me begin with our main passage that's found in Acts chapter 16. The heading says Lydia's conversion 
in Philippi. I've been giving a lot of shout outs to the male characters. We spoke about Enoch, we spoke about Job, and today I want to give a shout out to this godly woman, and her name is Lydia. She did not work in a church, but she was a faithful woman of God that served her community, that served her leaders, and she was a woman, a godly woman that God used during her generation. Acts 16, verse 11 through 15, it says in verse 11, from Troas we put out to sea and sail straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theotira. Remember, that's one of the churches found in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Amen. And amen. Again, going back to the title of today's message, invite the Lord as Lydia invited the Lord. Before our points, it is the Lord that always, it is the Lord that always, point number one, leads us to the right place at the right time. I'll say it again. It is the Lord that always leads us to the right place at the right time. Recapping verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Most likely here, the writer here is Luke. So he is with Paul, and he's saying we expected to find a place of prayer. The writer of the gospel, the book of Luke. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. The context is it was a Sabbath. They were looking for a place of prayer. They sat down and they began to speak to these people who were gathered there. And specifically, it says, the woman. So in God, letter A, B, C, so point A, B, C, there are no accidents, there are no coincidences, and there is no such thing as luck. No luck. So as Christians, we don't say, hey, good luck on that exam. In the Lord, there's no such thing as good luck, a lucky good charm that we have that we carry, a luck charm boxers that we wear. It is God's will, and it is God's blessing, and it is God's doing, even in our darkest times. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. And there's no such thing as luck. No luck. Letter A, B, C. It says in Genesis 50, verse 20. These are the famous words of Joseph after he was wrongly accused from Potiphar's wife. After he was sold to slavery by his brothers, his blood brothers. At the end, in Genesis 50, verse 20, what does he say? He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Because this year, it was to fulfill the vision of the seven years of famine and seven years of blessing. And God was using Joseph to rescue the Israelites. And that's how the Israelites ended up in Egypt. And then later they became slaves. And that's how the story of Moses came about. 
But before that, we see that God is in the picture in every single detail. You intended to harm me, but God used it for good. In ESV version, it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The reason why I added the ESV is because it says, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. What is the good? To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So we understand it is the Lord that always, point number one, leads us to the right place at the right time. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There's no such thing as luck when you are in the Lord. Rather, God always meets us in his perfect timing, even though when we think that it is not what it is. You know, we're never meant to understand our present situation. Never. Even in the good times. You think you understand, but you don't understand because we're just finite, we're limited people in our minds, in our experiences. Maybe 15 years and 20 years down the road, when you're old in your age, in your deathbed at the age of 90, or 100, you may reflect back and you will understand. You have a better understanding than the understanding that you have right now. That the Lord brought you through that season of desert, that he brought you to this particular place, that he allowed you to meet this particular person, and then you will understand even a little bit at that moment. But you will have all of eternity when you die, when we're in heaven with God, alive in him, in all of glory, in his glory, we will have a full understanding that everything, every detail to the T, especially when you're in God, when you're under Christ, there are no accidents, there are no coincidences, and there's no such thing as luck. Because God meets us always in his perfect timing, not in my perfect timing. Not in what I think is correct. So again, point number one leads us to the right place at the right time. Point number two, it is the Lord that always opens our hearts. Opens our hearts. Let's look at verse 14. It says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Amen and amen. Amen. We got any rich ladies here? Raise your hand. Woo! When it says she was a dealer in purple cloth, this is not like a dealer in a black market. Purple cloth, especially Theotira, they were known for their clothing garments and purple represents royalty it represents someone being wealthy and we see here that she was a wealthy business woman and at the same time and this was the most important description that she was a worshiper of God And what's amazing here is that the Lord opened our heart to respond to Paul's message. It is not Lydia that opened her heart, but it was God that opened her heart to respond. And it doesn't mean Paul's message. It's talking about God's message. At the core of it, it is the Lord's message. So it is the Lord that always opens our hearts. Yes, she was a businesswoman. Yes, she had everything going for her. Yes, she was wealthy. Yes, she was dealing with royalty. But she understood the true royalty was found in God, in Christ. And the most important detail here is that she was a worshiper of God. So it is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. Our sub points here, letter A, B, C, and D. 
It is the Lord's sovereignty. It is the Lord's be grace. Let us see glory and let her be doing. It is the Lord that always opens our hearts, and it is the Lord's sovereignty, his grace, his glory, and his doing. Meaning it was not Lydia's doing, it was not Paul's doing, but at the core of it, the foundation is, it is the Lord's doing. It was the Lord's work and will, and it was his doing. It was the Lord that draws near, that draws near to the broken hearts. That draws near to the brokenhearted and to those who seek his face. When you are single-minded, a single mind and a whole heart, just like the song, single-minded, wholehearted, one thing I ask, that I may gaze upon your beauty, that I may seek your holy face, that I may know you in an intimate way and follow after you all of my days. And all of life comes down to just one thing. And that's to know you, oh Jesus, and make you known. No matter how wealthy you are or how poor you are, no matter what situation you're in, if your heart and your attitude is that you are a worshiper of God and you say every single day, all of life comes down to just one thing. And that's to know you, oh Jesus, and make you known. The Lord will draw near and he will open your heart. And it is the Lord that opens our hearts, our closed hearts. It is not my doing. It is not your doing. But it is the Holy Spirit's doing, prompting your heart to respond to the truth of the gospel. Next point, number three. It is the Lord that always stirs our hearts, stirs the hearts of men and women of God. Verse 15, when she and the members of our household were baptized, she invited us to our home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Meaning, Holy Spirit prompts, convicts, and moves our hearts. I'm going to say it again. Holy Spirit prompts, convicts, and moves our hearts to what? So point letter A, to be kind. So point letter B, to be hospitable. Letter C, to be generous. D, to be patient. And E, to love, ultimately is to love. Holy Spirit prompts, convicts, and moves our hearts to be kind, to be hospitable, to be generous, to be patient, and to love. In other words, when people are near you, you know, like day to day, you're at work or you're at church or we're just having fellowship, you could be eating together. When people are sitting next to you, when they're near you or they go to their house, your home. The question that I want to ask is, are people leaving your presence persuaded and filled with joy? Or are they leaving your presence drained out and stressed and tired? I'm going to keep asking the question, are they healthier around you? Are they miserable around you? Are they made more whole? Or are they left more empty? Are their bellies filled? Or are their bellies growling? Because you didn't give enough and because you're being stingy. The Bible makes it very clear to enjoy the presence of having and sharing a meal with that person it could bring about only two results. Either you leave that meal full and filled with joy, or you get into an argument and you leave that place stressed and hungry and filled with resentment. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6 to 8, it says this. There's, it's divided into sayings. So saying 9 is verse 6 to 8. 
saying not, it says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cause. Ching, 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 ching. Eat and drink, he says to you. But his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. We must come to a place where Lydia was kind, hospitable, generous, patient, and loving. Acts 4, verse 32 to 35, it says, the heading says, the believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any other possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Amen. And amen. It is the Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts, stirs up our hearts. Stirs up our hearts to what? Holy Spirit prompts, convicts, moves our hearts to be kind, to be hospitable, to be generous, to be patient, and to love. Not like the complete opposite that's found in Proverbs 23 of a begrudging host. Do not eat with them. Do not even share a meal. Do not even have a conversation with them. Do not crave their delicacies because like mine will attract like mine, like characters. May you always be a generous and a kind host as Lydia was. Their heart is not with you. Why even share a meal with them? It is the Holy Spirit that always, it is the Lord that always, point number one, leads us to the right place at the right time. Point number two, opens our hearts. Point number three, stirs our hearts. And lastly, point number four, it is the Holy Spirit, it is the Lord that always saves us. Saves us. Amen and amen. Saves you and saves me. Verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. She invited us to her home. And the key phrase here is baptized and invited and her home. There's only one way to heaven, and that is found in Jesus Christ's salvation. That is found in Jesus Christ. Steve Harvey, he said this. There are no one way to heaven. No one way to paradise. Steve Harvey declared. It's like television. Now there's over 800 channels on cable. And they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure that to get to heaven, there's got to be more than one route. Because somebody watching another channel or taking another channel, then you. They are still getting entertained, and they probably still getting to heaven. And he's saying this as is in a Muslim nation. Again, he's a so-called Christian. But my response to that is no. Mr. Harvey is wrong, completely wrong. There is no many ways to paradise. There's only one way to heaven. And the Bible makes it very clear. John 8, John 14, it makes it very clear that there is only one way to heaven. In Acts 4 verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else. No one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we are saved by which we must be saved. 
John 8, 24, John 14, verse 6. It's not on the screen, but it says, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the question, how do we become saved? How do we become saved in this broken world, in this one life that we have? So point letter A, listen to the Lord. B, believe the Lord. C, surrender to the Lord. D, invite the Lord. E, in faith. F, in humility. G, in brokenness. And H, in obedience. And if you look at each characters in the Bible, they all invited the Lord. They invited the Lord. And everything leading up to that point, even afterwards, they listened, they believed, they surrendered, they had faith, they had humility. A proud person will not invite Jesus into their lives. Only a humble individual will invite Christ into their lives. For these are broken individuals. And ultimately, it comes down to obedience and obedience and obedience. Amen and amen. So I'm closing with this. As you know, in the first Advent, we talked about Enoch talked about Hebrews 11, and then we spoke on Job, where he declares, my Redeemer lives. But here today, I want us to understand the whole context of the story of Enoch. Enoch is just one faithful individual that's mentioned out of many. And the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is filled with godly men and women of God who are faithful in their generation. I pray that we would also fall under the lineage of these people of faith, that we will not grow faint-hearted and grow weak-hearted. And even when we grow weak-hearted, remember, it is His grace that makes us strong. Amen? Do not be discouraged and have faith and invite the Lord as Lydia invited the Lord into her home. And when she did that, not only was she saved, but her and her whole household, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So you are a catalyst, you are a representative, not just for this generation, but for your family as well. And may you pray that the Lord will use you to be the light that shines, that brings the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into their lives, into your homes, into your life here today. Hebrews 11, the heading says, Faith in Action. Now pay attention. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. 
By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars, the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Can we just take a moment? Envision and imagine the amount of sand in the seashore, the amount of the stars in the skies. And can we understand how big and powerful our God is? Let's continue. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And this city, my friends, is the new Jerusalem, heaven that is waiting for us, not in this life, but in the life after. Amen. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death, just as he received Jesus from death as he conquered the grave. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated as Christ was mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded this grace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned because they had no faith. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. 
by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and ruled foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet not one of them, none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Amen. And amen. 27 times the word faith is mentioned here. Plus two, one, including the heading. And the other one in verse 11 where it says faithful. So total 29. So I would say faith is pretty important. May we have faith as Lydia had faith. May we invite the Lord into our lives here in this season of heaven. May we invite him into our hearts. May the Holy Spirit speak to you. May he instill within you a seed, a mustard seed of faith. They may grow deeply rooted in the Lord. And that your roots and your branches and your leaves will flourish in God. Remember, you are in the world, but you are not part of the world. You are set apart from the world. May you live set apart. May you remember your identity in Christ. May you not grow cold in your ways in 2022 as we're entering the new year of 2023. May you be faithful and may you recommit your heart and your passion and your zeal and your promise before the Lord. Where is Enoch found? Hebrews 11. Where is the faith passage found? Hebrews 11. Don't forget, don't forget, memorize, memorize, and memorize. For one day, the passages that we are memorizing, that we are etching in our heart, it will help you in prison. It will help you when you have no access to the word because the word is alive in you. May you continue to memorize the Word of God. May you know the heart of God as you know the Word of God. For it is the Lord that always, but number one, leads us to the right place at the right time. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There's no such thing as luck. It is the Lord that always, point number two, opens our hearts. It is the Lord's sovereignty. It is his grace. It is for his glory. It is his doing. It is the Lord that always, point number three, stirs our hearts. Holy Spirit prompts, convicts, moves our hearts to be kind, to be hospitable, to be generous, to be patient, and to love. And lastly, it is the Lord that always saves us, saves you, rescues me. How am I saved? By listening, by believing, by surrendering, by inviting. In faith, in humility, in brokenness, in obedience. Amen. And amen. May you leave today 
encouraged and filled with more than you came here this morning. If you came here empty, leave this place full, for the Lord will never leave us empty and dry. When we invite him into our lives, he gives us more than enough, more than what we need. He gives us the desires of our hearts. And what is the desire of your heart? My desire is, Lord, I need you more today than yesterday. To draw near to your heart more today than yesterday. Lord, nothing more and nothing less. Whatever you take, whatever you give, may the name of the Lord be praised. But whatever this trial or season that I'm in, as long as I go closer to you and know the heart of God, that's all that matters, Lord. As long as I don't lose my advent, my King of kings, my Lord of lords, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm okay. I'm more than okay. I am blessed beyond measure. Amen? So may you leave this place full, filled with joy, filled with hope, filled with faith. And may we fall under this lineage of these amazing godly men and women of God who are mentioned here in this passage. Amen. Amen. With that, I'm going to ask the praise team if you could please come up. If you could just bow your heads, I'm going to close your eyes with me real quick. And before we sing our reflection, our closing song, can we just come to the Lord right now in the whispers of our hearts? Let's invite the Lord here in this place. Let's invite him into our home. Let's ask the Lord to strengthen us and to not to leave us empty, but to fill us more with his holy presence. Let's come together and let us ask the Lord together and pray together. Let us pray together. Thank you.
want to invite you to stand to your feet and let's sing Lord some revival and start with me let us worship together in spirit and truth priceless privilege and honor it is to invite you into our hearts into our homes into our lives there is no greater joy no greater honor no greater gift and calling than to know you and to have a relationship with you Lord we look at the world and we look at our past and Even for myself, I look at who I used to be, the things that I pursued to fill the empty hole in my heart. It was you that can truly restore the brokenhearted. It is you that can restore the sinner back to its maker. And you are our king, and you are our God, and you are our father. And you are our maker, and you are our creator. So God, we humble ourselves here today. We pursue after you in faith, and we invite you into our lives as Lydia invited you into her home. We invite you here in this place. Though you are not done with us yet, there's much journey. That's left. May we be faithful day to day to be fed and to drink from your well and to rely and to trust in the King of Kings 
in the Lord, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. May we be encouraged here today. Thank you for allowing us to see your glory, being able to see your face through your Son, one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and who resurrected. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And then, man. Let's all stand to our feet. The path of life in Jesus is the only path I know. Let us sing it in faith. We'll close the service with the benediction. Let us sing together. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you to give you peace. And now, may the unending pursuit and the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you, guide you, lead you, and protect you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray, amen and amen.